The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Got some good news, and I think we got some other good news coming. We're going to talk about that and some end-of-season awards and a lot more here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I'm your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel and listening wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're here. Please wipe your feet, like, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Go ahead and give us five anyway and gift it. So we're going to bring in the Calvary. We've got, of course, you know, Coop in the house. We also brought Brian Clinton back in. Coach is going to be coming in and talk to us about, you know, we're going to talk about Zach Alley. We're going to talk about some portal wins and stuff, as well as some updates around a couple of visitors we have. I've seen some stuff. we we'll talk about that, too. Then we'll wrap things up in the season awards. We'll give you your MVP, DMVP. We'll go down into, um, we'll talk about special teams, transfer, all that jazz. We're going to wrap up the season as now it's officially over since the national championship is tomorrow. And we'll bring you some national championship conversations too, if we find the time. So gentlemen, happy uh, Sunday. Brian, let the people know where they can find you. What's up, guys? I'm over at uh, Heartland College Sports. I'm the editing, uh, managing editor over there, and, and then over at uh, OU Insider. I've been a contributor there uh, about six months now. Loving it over there, too. So uh, you guys can find me over there, and I'm on uh, on Twitter. I'm calling it Twitter. I'm not going to call it X. Uh, <laughs> e Clinton 40 uh, over there. So so go check it out. If you're looking for OU Insider content, we got all of it over there. So yeah exactly cool let the people know say hi tell them tell them how you, how you doing today uh-oh mute yep yep got it. it he hit him with the, the, the dreaded mute button somebody had technical difficulties yeah. and it wasn't just me <laughs> it was it was epic what i said was just epic but no i just gotta say what's up lloyd steven t sooner legends a new a new uh member so thank you so much for that guys Appreciate that. Uh, you know, this is the uh, the time of the year to where the the content is. Uh, you can maximize what needs to really be minimized, or you could just you know report stuff as it happens. We go with the latter, um, but it you know it, we're we're running on the uh, the the waning hours of the transfer portal, and uh, I'm I'm very 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 happy to uh, to probably get close to the end. Neo, I love you. Good good evening, all y'all, and I'm I'm gonna keep it a buck. <laughs> This is why I like the transfer portal because it gives me stuff to talk about. Like I can sit here and like be here with y'all and complain about things nonstop, and you know, you know, have fun with that. But like when the season's over, like what do, what else is there to really talk about? Like there's a lot of roster movement, regardless. But you know, the portal yeah. really gives us stuff to really you know complain about, and I appreciate them for that. It gives us drama, a lot of that. And I actually got a video I've been working on. I actually got two videos I've been working on. But one I've been working on about the transfer portal and how we probably need to calm down a little bit. A lot of people don't understand just kind of how it works, but we'll get into that another time. But since we got coach here, we definitely want to dive into, you know what, let's open it up with uh, the two big wins that we had most recently. The number one win we have is Michael Tarkin, an offensive lineman coming in and committing from, uh, he was played at Florida for four years, went to USC for a year, and now he's here. He's a former four-star, consensus and composite four-star, top 300 player in the country uh, at the time while he was in high school. Oklahoma was in his top three when he was a, a recruit. And then we were like in the top two when he was a transfer. And everything, full circle, third time's a charm, he landed here at Oklahoma. And so, 
Brian, you did a video breaking down film, and I read, of course, some of the comments in there, and boy, people weren't um, the most excited. But at the same time, I, I get where there's where they came from, mm. while also understanding that there's a bigger picture here. So, tell us what your thoughts on Tarkin uh, coming here to Oklahoma, and of course, the best way that he, of course, commits is that he doesn't actually say a thing at, at all. He just shows up in the student database. He's standing on business. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, I, I like it. I, I really like what, uh, I really like what, what he brings to the table because Oklahoma lacks experience right now along the offensive line, like in a bad way. And I think he brings a lot of that. Um, I, I, well, first thing I want to say to Sooner fans is guys, there's not Creed Humphreys out there all over the place. Like you don't just have, you don't have, um, ready-made second round picks, first round picks, just walking out on, on the transfer portal, uh, you know, right now, that's just not how it works. And if they, if they are out there at this point in time, I think it's pretty safe to say they're asking for a bag. So, you know, you've got to be careful about that stuff, you know, and I've seen a lot of things where, where people say, well, is Oklahoma broke? No, I don't think that's what it is. I think you just have to understand that NIL stuff can creep into a locker room. You start handing big time money out to guys. The guys that are on, on, on the team already are going to be wondering, Hey, where's mine? Like, why, why am I not? So it, it changes the dynamic with, with every, every guy that you bring in. So, uh, as for what Tarkin brings guys, he, he's, he's played tackle. He's played right tackle for the most part. Um, he's got four years experience, as you said, at, at Florida and a year at USC, the game at USC where he he gave up back-to-back, -back, he gave up a sack and then a pressure um, against mm -hmm. Arizona. Who has good pass rushers? I mean, we saw that just uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, and I think that it was one of those instances where USC just kind of set him down. Now, they're doing P90X out there for, <laughs> for strength and conditioning, so I wouldn't take it too seriously. Um what you saw from there. I, I do like where he was at more uh, when he was at Florida. I, I saw some promising things from him on film there. And really, I, I think you have a, a portal gym here, I guess, if you want to call it that for Bill Beanbow's purposes, because the issues that he has are technical. He's got technical issues. He doesn't have size issues. He doesn't have motor issues. He doesn't have work ethic issues. It's it's technical. And if he's willing to put in the work, I don't think there's a better developmental offensive lineman coach out there than Bill Biedenboe. I mean, the guy he just he's there's a reason why NFL scouts talk about him and in, in, on a short list for guys that they want offensive linemen being developed by. It, it just it, it matters. And I think if if they can get him to slow down on some things, let his let his feet do the work and, and keep himself balanced. He lost balance several times, loses his footing. I think really all that comes down to is being more in control and, and Beatenbow does a good job of making sure his guys do just that. He moves well in space. Um, I think he's your offensive. I think he's one of your two offensive guards. I, I do. I think he's, he's more, yeah, he's more built for that, uh, that role. And, you know, six five, three hundred pounds. He's probably gonna have to get a little heavier. I don't think that'll be a problem. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it's somebody that you can really hang your hat on, be happy about, 
And it's another experienced guy in that room, which, which Oklahoma really needs right now. And that was my thought when I looked at him. Like, we talked about this in the green room, kind of want to bring it up to the front table. When I looked at my comparison to him, I'm going to be honest, the guy that he makes me think about is McKay Matower coming here from Cal, right? It, it feels like he can be a guy like that. You bring him in, he brings solid experience in. You only got him for a year, so you're really only using him as a Band-Aid anyway so that you can really develop the other guys that need to go ahead and step up and take that role. Good thing is you got a Fabici, a Wei Wu coming in, which he's young, freshman All-American. He's someone that can step in and play today. You got a slew of freshman linemen that, honestly, you may see two of one or two of them get some reps. You also have other guys on the roster from the last couple of recruiting classes that are really itching to get on the field, too. The bigger thing is, is you just need additional experience because – we talked about this. I've talked about this literally every show, and I know y'all may be tired of hearing it, but those that haven't heard me say this, we had over 4,000 snaps from players that were freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomore. So you've got all those young players coming in, well, all those young players playing. They're building that experience, but you don't want to keep doing that every year. At a certain mm. point, you're going to need to have the junior-type experience, the senior-type experience to help control the locker room when you're going up against the big dogs and they're going to be kicking your butt. But... That was kind of my comparison with him. I thought I th- I, I don't think he's a bad pick player to have, especially since B, uh, Beaton Bowe's been ha- wanting to have him. And coach, you, God, you said the the best thing possible. He went to USC and went to a strength and conditioning coach that we are seeing the problems of today, <laughs> or we've seen in the last couple of years of how the line changed when he was in control. Now we're bringing him back to a guy like Schmitty who built SEC lines who knows how, I mean, he did that at A&M. He knows how to get these guys in the right shape to play. I don't have any concerns about him coming here because I think that they can get him in the right mode. He'll get back to a Florida workout regime in comparison Mm -hmm. to like, you know, the USC one, similar here at Oklahoma, and he'll be ready to play in the trenches. So I'm excited. Coop, when you saw Tarkin get that commitment, see him come through and just show up randomly in a student database, what jumped to you at mine? Third time's a charm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, basically, that's that's kind of what you look at. Um, you know, right now, when it comes to offensive line, um, you know, you you got to trust in uh, Coach Beatonball because when he has time to work on these players um, and the, the McKay Battaglia, um comparison is, is terrific because, um, you know, last year we were talking about and I mean, you can go to, to Gabe, who's pretty decent at the offensive line breakdown, but uh, everybody was talking about just get out of here. Like just, you know, he, he, it wasn't great. It wasn't good. And then this year it's, uh, you know, at one point he's hurt and we're like, we, we need McKay Mattaglia back on the line. And um, Bill Beanball is going to look for people that he can count on, people who are going to um, not make the mental mistakes. Uh, Again, I mean, if you clutch on to somebody and fall down because you got beat with bad feet, I mean, that's that's something you can handle. Now, granted, you're still going to get your butt torn up when you when you have a lapse physically, mentally, spiritually, alphabetically, you know, from this fan base. So it, it's it's all the same. But with Fabici coming in, Simmons, um, you know what you're hearing about Eugene Brooks. The bruv from across the pond, uh, Daniel, um, you know, Akinkumi, he is the one uh, we're, we're trying to get him on, uh, trying to line it up now that he's here stateside. It'll be maybe a little bit easier. Uh, so, Daniel, we want you, buddy. 
But um, one of the big things that I just want to do is just uh, just say, like, you got to trust Nabi Bob. I mean, because he went out to get bodies. Uh, I expect probably some more good news coming the line. But what you need is bodies and everybody prep it. You need competitive depth on your offensive line because we saw Dylan Gabriel get better when Jackson Arnold was behind him. You see offensive linemen get better when they got dudes behind them. If you don't feel like your job's in jeopardy, I mean, outside of just not getting yelled at, what is the, the reason to, to, to press yourself? So, um, you know, I, I, I like some of these kids. Uh, the Tarkin kid, um, you know, this is his opportunity. And you got to think that with a very, very cerebral guy like himself, you, you, you look at beating ball, you hear, I think that Neo said something about it with Andy Reid. I mean, NFL coaches do will take an offensive lineman around earlier if it's an OU offensive lineman because you got that opportunity. So um, if you're freaking out, I understand. And, and, and you got to invest in the offensive line. Jackson Arnold's escape ability is a little bit, um, you know, going to give us a little bit of a, uh, a cushion there. On top of that, um, you, you know, he's going to get the ball out of his hands a little bit faster. Forget about the bowl game. You know, he held on to the ball for way too long in several situations. So uh, competitive depth is really the, the main reason why I'm excited to see him come in and with the experience because you don't want to roll into uh, LSU at night with a, a kid who turned 19 a couple days before. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you saw, uh, and it helped me out with the name here, uh, prize left tackle at Alabama. Guy was going to eat all world everything, and he got his – yeah, Caden, uh, he, he got abused by Michigan. So it does not matter. Five-star offensive linemen, um, that they will have their ups and downs. But, um, yep. um, you know, which can take us to the next one. But, yeah, competitive depth. Here's my drink, finally. Yeah, no, that's – that's and that's – and you're spot on with that. You, you you just need additional players. And, and as Brian mentioned earlier, that's kind of just key. You don't want to run in with a whole bunch of young players while at the same time just having a guy with snaps from the SEC – he can prepare those guys mentally. He can let them know, hey, this is kind of what's going to happen, right? These are some of the tactics. Mm -hmm. And it's not that he was in the SEC for a year. He's in the SEC for four years. So he knows how some of these schools play, how dirty some of them can be. Hey, watch out for them doing this. Watch out for them grabbing that. They'll lean on you this way, and that's going to hurt your hip, whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that can be thrown out there to truly get you, know, get you going. So, um, okay. Next up, of course, we've got some visitors. Kind of want to chit-chat about that. Uh, OU Mike, thank you for the 10 bucks. We appreciate the support. Definitely make sure you go over to Heartland College Sports uh, and um, show some love to uh, Brian and them over there, as well as OU Insiders. Yes, sir. We really appreciate the support. And Tanya, thank you for the virtual high five. Boom, right back at you on that. All right. We got uh, Lance Hurd, as well as Terrence Ferguson, are the two that I know are in town by now. I'm not sure if the based upon what the mods I've been seeing, especially the Tennessee guys, they've been talking about it like crazy. Feels like Tennessee is dooming right now. Supposedly mm. it's between us and them. They they're the fans are not feeling very good right now because he was I know that Herb was at Tennessee for like six hours and he bounced. So it could mean one or two things, in my personal opinion. Brian, I'm gonna throw this at you next and kind of give your thoughts. Is one this is a bag situation. He went to Tennessee, see what the bag is. The bag didn't sound right for him, so he bounced out and was like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and just keep my flight and roll. Or two, 
He's looking for an opportunity to start immediately. And Tennessee needs to need someone. They actually need a starting left tackle right now. They're kind of struggling with that. But he didn't feel like it was the good situation for him. So, I mean, and then the third one is, is that he's looking for somebody to really develop him. Now, I know that he likes beating Bo. I know that he was recruited by us in uh, last, last time in some capacity. So we know him. I'm curious to kind of see where this goes and we'll find out what uh, probably sometime tomorrow, since the dead period starts tomorrow, either he's going to commit or he's going to be looking to take other visits. I'm just hoping that he goes ahead and commit and enrolls next week when school starts. Brian, talk to us. You're one of our insiders. What you hearing? Sounds like visits have gone well, um, which, you know, that's kind of, it's a good thing, but, Look, this is one of those situations. I don't, I don't want to get everybody's hopes up, so I want to be just real with you. It, visits going well doesn't mean anything in the transfer portal era. I mean, he may like really like what he hears, and, and somebody else comes calling, and they drop something on him that he can't pass up, and, and that's where he ends up. But um, sounds like Oklahoma's doing – what they need to be doing uh, to, to try and land this guy um, with, with Hurd. Um, <clears throat> look, this is a situation where the Sooners understand what their needs are. And I think that this is one where you, you know, proverbially swing for the fences. Uh, and I, and if, if Oklahoma really likes what Hurd brings into the room, I think they'll do that. Now, um, you know, I, I will say this, He's a young guy, um, and and that's you're not getting a lot of experience in this, and so but but you also I think what really I think what put, what puts Oklahoma in a situation to you know swing for the fences is that you just lost Caden Green. Now mm-hmm. it's not a one for one. I, I think Caden Green. I mean, I, I really like what we've seen from from Lance, but Caden Green was was he was set to be one of the nastiest guards in the sec next year. And he still will be just not for the Sooners. So, um, you know, I, I do think that there's, there's definitely some juice there for Oklahoma. It does help that this is a guy that likes Bill Biedenbo. Um, if, if you go in that you either like that guy or you don't, and that's, that's, that's just how, uh, guys like Bill Biedenbo are taken. Um, and I think that he is, is somebody that fits that room well. So I think it's, I think it's down to, uh, it sounds like it's down to Oklahoma, Tennessee, but mm-hmm. you never know. Like I said, Oregon could come knocking and just throw everything off. And I, I mean, I, that's not, there's no basis to that, but, uh, I mean, you get the sentiment, what I'm saying, it's just, it's just how things work. But right now it looks like Oklahoma's at least in a decent spot. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I'm hearing too. Terrence Ferguson, the former Alabama lineman, you know, we'll we'll add him in there too. He's supposedly here hanging out. Um, he had some he had some good snaps there at Bama. I think he only has like two years left of eligibility. Where Hurd has three or four. But I think the big thing with Hurd is to remember, and it, and it's the thing to consider when it comes to some of these transfer portal guys is that if you're bringing in some of the older grad graduate transfers, they're great for one-year rentals. It doesn't really mess up continuity in the room. Right. If you bring young dudes in, you might piss off one of your prize recruits. Yeah. That's the ones you got to think about. And, and as Brian mentioned, you know, 
and, and Jerry Canick, somebody actually mentioned this in on Twitter, on the Twitter video that Canick mentioned it in one of their um, podcasts on the prairies that if you want to get paid, go to the portal. Um, but the issue with that is, is that all the players know that. So if you come in, they know that you probably got paid to get here. And now they're going to be asking the questions of where my money at. And then you start losing mm-hmm. your own. So that's probably one big reason why you'd recognize with the way that, you know, Venables and them is doing the, the team building. They're focusing on guys that they want to bring here that actually wants to play ball and really focus on development. Money's going to be there. We'll figure out how to make some great stuff work, but we're not here to outpay Oregon or the likes of, you know, Texas A&M. But we'll be competitive in the price. That's what you got to recognize. And so with some of these people, and, and Neo, I disagree on the poison of NIL is because some of these players also recognize they ain't making it to the NFL. So they're making any money at this level now. That way they can try to figure out what's next in their career. Because the ones that are going to make the NFL, they're starting on offensive lines around the country today or defensive line or whatever positions today, and they're not leaving their school. The guys that are in the portal are ones that probably aren't going to play anyway at some places. Now, one thing I'm going to add, and Coop, I'm going to pass to you, is when it comes to the portal and players like a Terrence Ferguson and a Lance Hurd, Yes, I am basically telling you that the transfer portal is retail prices besides wholesale prices. Wholesale, you go to Sam's, you go to Costco or whatever, and the prices, if you get it in bulk, or a lot of times you can get it much cheaper in wholesale because you're getting it is either in bulk or you're getting a special price because they've got a bunch of them and they're giving it to you. That's your high school. Your high school players are more your wholesale pricing. Retail pricing is after it's been sold off, Somebody else has tried it, and they're like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can make more money. And that's when you get those retail prices from these. Now, every once in a while, you find a clearance player. For example, Tyler Guyton is probably one of the best clearance players we've ever found because he's one of the greatest projects I think I've ever seen at Oklahoma. I can't think of anybody better. Dude was a defensive tackle, played H-back at TCU. And when I saw him as a freak, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what Beatonbo can do with him. Brought this dude here, and dude's a consensus first-round draft pick, guaranteed. Everybody said he's going in the first round. Think about it that way. Don't think about it the other ways you've heard. Think about it that way. We're finding some players on the retail side, trying to get that nice little deal we can get, maybe clearance player here or one on sale, someone that we can pick up and say, probably one of the best picks you've seen in a while. Guidance don't come, you know, they don't grow on trees. They're very hard to find, especially guys that want to work hard to do it. But luckily, we're going after guys that already have the size. We can teach them the technique. Coop, what are you hearing or thoughts on Hurd and Ferguson coming in? What do you feel like they could even fit if we were able to close the deal? So with Hurd, uh, I'll start with him. Pardon the uh, Terrence Ferguson uh, uh, mental block that we got. Uh, If you're a Thunder fan, uh, you know, we had a a Terrence Ferguson on and uh, it wasn't very good. So, um, (laughs) but this Terrence Ferguson... Uh, you know, another body, but, uh, uh, Lance heard he's still in town. Um, and so he didn't blow in a blowout. Last thing I heard is he is sticking around for the night and there should be some decent indications. Um, now transfer portal, um, uh, insider information guys looking f- to be the one that was right. Um, I don't give a damn. Let's just get some bodies and let's get some dudes who want to go 
pancakes and pokes. Um, that that's what we want. Um, and, and again, it, when when I'm going back to uh, you know, I stand very, very strongly on uh, what I said when the Peyton Bowen situation happened, the, the first okie doke where he pulls out Oregon. And I say, if, if that's what that person is about, we don't want him in the locker room. If it's, if it's 100% money first, we don't want him in the locker room. That doesn't mesh with we need high character guys who are leaders in their high school leaders at the previous team that they were on. Um, those are the guys that Brent Venables is going after when you're building the culture that we're trying to build. That is who that is because you can, and you've, you've seen it with, uh, and I'll point out LSU, uh, LSU just rises from the ashes every, you know, eight to 10 years and then turns into a cluster for the rest of the time. And I, I don't want this program to look like that. I don't want this program to be, you know, picking between, Ed Orgeron and Brian Kelly. Um, those are things that I don't want. And so I think that part of her coming in and the coaching staff are, is interviewing him just as much as he's interviewing them. And that is because do you fit in what we're trying to do here? We will help you get your money. But it, you know, if I'm beating ball, I'm just going, you know, a lot, a lot of my offensive linemen are not doing anything today, but it's not because they ain't get drafted. It's because they're resting for the playoffs. So um, let's just hang out. And I mean, but you've got an absolute, um, I mean, opportunity to bring in um, a young guy who could potentially turn into something. And I agree with what you said about um, Guyton, Jay, is um, he didn't play first year. And it was all like, hey, this guy could turn into absolutely something. Well, I promise you, for every one of those guys that could turn into absolute something, there's somebody who doesn't turn into anything. And so um, that's what I'm hearing on her. I haven't heard anything about Ferguson, um, you know, super positive or, or, or the uh, the opposite. So, um, but we're, we're trying to get those numbers. And as you see guys like Aaron Parks uh, head out to the transfer portal, it's because they're, they're, they're making room for guys for another shot. Um, you know, if you get another Aaron Parks as a depth piece, that's fine. But um, we do need difference makers, and we do need people who are going to really, really, really press right now. Yeah, and that's one thing to think about when, when it comes to how attrition works on, especially when it comes to the transfer portal. A lot of these cases, man, I, I don't. I feel bad for players because a lot of the fans think that they don't want to compete. You know, they call them names, you know, talk bad about them or whatnot. And it's like, no, it's not that they didn't want to compete. It's probably coach told them, you know, you probably ain't going to play here, right? We got some we got some dudes coming in. And I got one that I'm a lot higher on. So maybe a good idea for you to go, you know, explore the options. Unless you're cool with being a backup, explore the options. Because you may fall another spot in the portal, in, in, the, in the depth chart, because I got another guy coming in. So... Enough on that. We'll see what happened with Hurd and Ferguson. We'll probably hear something, like I said, in the next 24 hours. Um, if you don't hear anything next 24 hours, then obviously that means that he's going to continue to shop around. We'll just cross our fingers and toes that we're able to land. If we can land both, of course, I'm going to lose my mind. But if we can at least land one of them, I'd be satisfied. So, all right. Now we got to go into this. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. We got a new defensive coordinator. So, before we do that, Please, thank y'all for pulling up. Please hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. If you're listening on the audio version, rate, review. Give us five stars and all of that jazz. Go check out Heartland College Sports. 
Check out what Brian's doing over there. Also check him out on OU Insider. He does a lot, a lot of break film breakdown, which is awesome. I always check it out. It makes me a lot smarter when I have these conversations. So we got potentially a new defensive coordinator. Ted Roof's gone. And it's fascinating to me about how this went down because I had an idea that this was possibly going to happen, right? It felt like BV needed him to kind of get the transition going into the SEC. And then from there, it's the, yeah, you know, Ted, you want to stick around? We would love to have you as an analyst. Getting old, and we need somebody to really get out there and recruit. And it's nothing against you, but I, but you've got so much knowledge, we would love to have you around for that. Well, it sounds like Ruth's like, nah, I got to stick some coaching in me. I still got one more in me. You know, he's definitely the Vince Carter meme right now because he's got one more in him. And he decided he wanted to be an analyst, and so he bounced out. And now the rumors are, and we're waiting for an official announcement, which I anticipate to happen on Monday since it's been just blowing up like this, is that Zach Alley, the uh, defensive coordinator at Jacksonville State, will be our new D.C. slash linebacker coach. I know a lot of y'all was in my comments and my mentions and stuff talking a little record. <clears throat> and this is the reason why I needed Brian on here. Because I know it as, as coach can break it down a lot better. And we're going to piggyback off of his lead on this. Why this makes sense. Why this is a really good hire. Coach Clinton, the field is yours. Talk to us about Zach Alley. I know you've done film breakdown. You've looked at him overall. Talk to us. So... I think it's really important to understand that Ted Roof, uh, the the one the one thing that that you heard out of Coach Venable's mouth about Ted Roof, um, several times, teacher. He's a great teacher. He's he's an excellent instructor. He's a great teacher. That is exactly why he was brought in. He was able to take guys that have had years of another system that they've been dealing with and teach them the foundations and the structure of what Brent Venables needed them to understand for them to, to move forward. Now I think that, that Ted roof is, I, I do think that he brings value to this, this coaching staff, but I think what you're getting in Zach alley is for lack of a better term, he's Brent Venables at 30 years old. He he is. Like it's it's uncanny. If if you have seen I shared something from from the ref earlier this week. The guy's mannerisms, the way he goes about things, the way he coaches, the way he carries himself, the way he talks. I mean, hell his voice even kind of sounds like Brent Venables a little bit. Um there is there's a lot of Brent Venables in this guy. And I, I think I don't think that's a that, that's not a that's not a coincidence. This this is a guy that spent seven years under BV as as a as a grad assistant, and his defenses. I've, I've got this. I've got stats written down right here. His defense at Jacksonville State. This was their first year in the FBS, mind you. This was Jacksonville State's first year in the FBS. They jumped into Conference USA. They were nine and four. They won their very first bowl trip, New Orleans Bowl. They led Conference USA in total defense. They were 42nd nationally, 352 yards a game. Scoring defense, they led Conference USA 21.2 points per game. Rush defense, they were 14th nationally and led Conference USA 111.5 uh, yards per game. Sacks, they had 39. That was 14th nationally. 
Turnovers gained, 25. That was tied for eighth nationally. Third down defense, they allowed conversions on 32.5%. That was top. That was tied for 20th. This guy runs his defenses like Brent Venables does. It's very similar because it's the same defense, guys. He played, <laughs> he, he coached for several years under, under BV. And uh, something I need to address just right off the cuff, no, he didn't coach at Alabama last year. No, he he didn't come from Ohio State. This isn't, but you have to understand, coaching trees don't work that way. That's not how this works. He had he spent all those years under the. I mean, nobody here is gonna nobody here is gonna argue with me that Brent Venables is one of, if not the best, defensive mind, most consistent defensive mind that college football has seen over the last twenty years. I mean, that's that's a given. This guy spent almost half of that time working under BV and learning how mm-hmm. to coach. He didn't have, you know, five years under somebody else and then come in and try and pick up a whole new system. He learned how to be a coach under Brent Venables. This is the right hire. This is the this is the best. And I think, you know, there were some there were some rumors or, or reports that that maybe Ted Roof was going to stick around a little longer than anticipated. The The contract was set to be up and it all came out and all happened so fast. I think knowing that a guy like Zach Alley was available and, and this is somebody that BV could go and get now and carry this transition into the sec. I think it was perfect timing for Oklahoma. And I think that's why it happened. Um, the guy, he just, he, he exudes, confidence he is somebody that is very sure of who he is as a coach and for a guy to be 29 30 years old and and uh and do that and to become the coordinator at oklahoma who was the last defensive coordinator at oklahoma that was 29 when he took the job who oh that's right it was brent venables whenever bob stoops brought him in so i mean guys this is this is a great I, I this is a great move for the Sooners. I I'm ecstatic about it. And something that needs to be said or or something that's really great about this, probably the best thing with how he thinks, with with how he analyzes the game being so similar to Brent Venables, this is going to open up. This is he's an extension of the head coach. This is going to open up Brent to focus on other things during game planning, during game time situations that maybe he felt he needed to be more hands-on with the previous uh, regime. So I think having somebody that is that similar-minded that has really molded himself after Brent, it's really going to pay off um, whenever whenever it comes time for for Brent Venables to do more things as a head coach. Uh, I think this is great. I think this is great for the Sooners. See, and and you made a good point there with Venables wanting to step back. And so year one, of course, things were pretty atrocious, you know, on the defense. And everyone was immediately saying, why is Ted Roof calling these plays? Year two, it appears that Venables had a lot more hands on with the defense as the defense dramatically changed uh, over the last year. Like, it's some aspects we didn't, but there was a lot of the advanced metrics and stuff. Third downs, our uh, stuff rate our rankings just at advanced metrics. We were in the top 40 in a lot of metrics that 
we didn't expect to happen. I anticipated us to be in the top 40s and 30s, and we ended up being in that area. Uh, Stutzman getting hurt really showed how young our linebackers were. That's kind of, honestly, I think that's why we, outside of the offense itself and what was going on in the Kansas and Oklahoma State games, I think not having Stutzman is the reason why we lost those games, right? Having your, your general at the linebacker position, who is the quarterback on defense, that makes a big difference. And so... Yeah, this guy now gives Venables that ability. I remember reading an article not too long ago after the uh, the rumors are going around he's going to be hired is that Venables still plans on having some hands-on with it, but it would make sense. He's 29 years old, right? He's mm-hmm. going to have them in there. He's going to install them. They're going to work together. He's probably going to oversee, but only you know jump in when needed. The good thing is Seth Luttrell is a former head coach, and he was – decent at best when it came to game management there at North Texas. And so he's learned a lot of lessons from that to where he's going to get better about that. Right. He's, he's, he's grown from that. And he's also wanted to be an office coordinator, just running the offense is going to be a hell of a lot easier for Latrell than he would be running everything at North Texas. He can let Venables run that. And so I say within the next year or two, it'll be all alley, just Venables. And I point that out for this one reason, go look at some of the other good defensive coordinators out there, the ones that have done some special stuff over the last few years, you can look back and see when they started their jobs. Kirby Smart was in his late 20s, early 30s when he got the defensive coordinator position at Alabama. He was understudying with Nick Saban. He was with Saban for nine years before he went to his alma mater. He could have probably left a little bit earlier. They probably would have gotten rid of Mark Rick, you know, for him a little bit earlier, but he took his time and he, when the opportunity came, he took the job and boom, two national championships, right? Dan Lanning, when he took the job there at um, Georgia, he came from Memphis, right? He was a grad assistant at Alabama, and that's when Kirby Smart learned about him. But for the most part, you know Kirby Smart had his hand heavily in that defense, but Lanning was still growing, and then Lanning started doing some special stuff. And heck, now you see what he's doing at Oregon. Point is... A lot of these guys do come from smaller ranks. Another young 29-year-old, young Thundercat that we brought in. This may be a sore spot for some of y'all. We brought in Lincoln Riley. He was in his he was early, late 20s. Looked freaking fantastic as a uh, offensive coordinator. You know, I do say so myself. And then, they, of course, he became head coach. He's bounced, you know, beard, mustache, bull. Anyway, my point is don't look at him just because he's young and, and, and have too many questions and say, you know, what is, does Venables know what he's doing? He does. He has a plan, and the good thing is, is the transition for him is getting out of having to oversee everything and focus on the game itself. Coop, Zach Alley, I know you looked into him. Uh, you're pretty meticulous like me. Talk to me. What was your feeling on that? Well, I can't remember which one of you two said. he. I think it was BC. He doesn't come from Alabama, and he doesn't come from Ohio State. Well, Mike Stoops was on the staff at Alabama, and Alex Wrench came from Ohio State. So who gives a damn where the dude came from? Because <laughs> if, he's came, if he's came in from somewhere else, that means they ain't wanting him anymore. So let's go with this. He goes to ULM. Stats get better. Uh, 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 hold on. So hold on. Nope, just checking on it. So you want a defensive coordinator stats to get better once he arrives. Okay, just making sure. So he did his stats get better. Did he take Jacksonville State from, you know, looking like us, and then now, you know, now they looking good. They're looking good. So um, it, it, it's it's this, right? It's it's this. Multiple hats. Multiple hats. Brent Venables, 
rocking multiple hats. He's doing all these different things. If only he had somebody who coaches defense exactly like he does, isn't 65 and applying for AARP, and can get out and recruit. Wait a second. What about that cat that was learning underneath me for a little while? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a guy who Brent Venable sees as a great option. Going after... You guys like that, right? You guys like that. That was good. That was good. So you go after somebody who's young because Ted Roof wasn't winning a ton on the recruiting front. Now, you I'm not saying Ted Roof was, you know, dead weight because I I mean I know that there's a specific 25 linebacker who wasn't exactly excited that Roof is bouncing. So I can say that he was doing a decent job, but let's just be honest. When you've got younger people who have this proven track record, track record of success, they can go in there and they can sit. Zach can come in there. It's Z A C, Zach. So make sure that when you're slandering the dude who hasn't done anything yet, um, you uh, know the name right. Call his name correctly. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's funny. It's like no certain. It, just us as fans, right? Because. We can get wrapped up around somebody who hasn't done anything yet if we feel good about that thing and be like, to the Heisman, to the national championship, we're, we're going to Mars. Um, and then also, same thing, is you got another guy who nobody knows anything about and they're like, oh, this guy's going to be crap. You know, because you want a big splash. Everybody wanted Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard ain't coming here. Uh, it's a completely different style. Brent Venable still wants his defense, right? So... Fair. You look like you're about to say something, Brian. Yeah, well, I just, whenever, I, I think something that people get lost on, those, that's, that's two big-time thought processes, two big-time philosophies yeah. bouncing off of each other. People don't understand, you need somebody that is, is similarly, is aligned <clears throat> with you cerebrally. You need somebody that knows the ins and outs of what you're doing. When somebody says, Jim Leonard, bring in... Throw in whoever you know, whoever that coordinator is that you want. To, uh, Zach Arnett was another one. I, I think mm-hmm. Zach Arnett's a little closer to, to what BV, w- but still, those things don't work. You need your your coaching staff needs to be cohesive. Just because yeah. the guy's name is big doesn't make him the right hire. That's not how this works. So I, I just wanted to add that. No, and, 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 and real sorry, quick, sorry, I'll, 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 Go ahead. Yeah, go for it, Joe. Go I was going to say, just to piggyback on that real quick to to, to recognize that um, a lot of your big-name coaches ain't leaving for other coordinating positions right. when they have the opportunity of getting a head coaching job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the hard part about trying to find – perfect example, Lebby. You know, Lebby was – there was legitimate conversations for Lebby with Georgia and Alabama. They tried to pull him, but the biggest problem for Lebby leaving is that he leaves the CEO position here at offensive coordinator. Because, like, literally, he ran the offense. That's why everybody complains about him. They ain't going to just leave for a quote-unquote lateral move because unless yeah. the money's going to go up, like, significantly, you saw the Missouri coach bounce back to yeah, LSU. He has history with uh, Brian Kelly. So, yeah, he's yeah. going to do that, even though he's got fired by Brian Kelly before, but I digress. Um, <laughs> he went for the, for the bigger bump in money and – probably more control over that side of the ball because Kelly's I think more of an offensive guy anyway. That's sure, but for the most part, unless you're really giving up something, those dudes don't want 
They're going to go for head coaching jobs. Fran Brown didn't even take a coordinator position nowhere. He went straight to Syracuse and took a head coaching job. Keep that in mind, too, when it comes to certain people. Yeah. So young and upcoming and, makes the most sense. Coop, back to you. And, and, and I'll wrap it with this. What happened the last time that we had two people with not exactly aligned defensive mentalities on our on our team? We kept the brother and we bounced our future head coach. Guys, I am saying this right now. This is a great hire. This is an absolute – and Skalski is still on staff it, 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 unless something else has happened that I don't know about. But it, he has been – um, Brent Venables has brought in. Now he's got year three. You've got returning senior leadership. That's going to make, because uh, I think this, I think this hire looks a little different if Woody, Billy, and Danny aren't coming back. Yeah. And, and, and John Terry and everything. Because that could have played a huge part in this, in the fact that, like, he doesn't have to go to Danny and be like, all right, I know i got to start with you, Danny. You're the leader of the defense, but uh, this is what I'm thinking. And Danny would be like, Damn, I've just been two and a half years trying to get into that late level of thinking, and now you're thinking this? Like, ah. So he can just walk up and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking. You know, they they can chop it up. And, and since the dude's 30, I mean, what hell, he's only eight or nine years older than most of these guys, and so he can relate with them too. And so this is a great hire. I'll stand on that one, and I'll record my own simple video if it ends up being elsewise, but I, I'm very, very excited about this. Sooner Cowboy, this is a great point. Stability. Stability has been key about what Oklahoma has done over the last 20, you know, 24 years of being here. Stability. That's we and, and sometimes stability to a fault, right? Uh, someone pointed out in one of the videos that I put out, and they pointed out how Oklahoma had a tendency of sometimes keeping some coaches for too long. And that makes sense. That sometimes you got to get those birds out the nest. When they should. Now, this is the this is something I want to point out as well when it comes to that stability. That's the reason why I put up Sooner Cowboys statement is as Coop mentioned, Jim Leonard was one name that everybody was throwing out there, right? Leonard passed on the USC job because he wanted to bring in his own staff. That means that Lincoln Riley had to fire everybody. Riley wasn't gonna let, let that happen, right? A lot of head coaches don't do that unless they really feel like they need to change everything. They probably should have done that, but I digress. <laughs> in some situations, you got to go ahead and clean house. But they, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that to the people he brought with him to USC, especially the ones from Oklahoma. So Leonard was going to be able to come. Leonard was probably going to do the same thing coming here of, hey, I would like to bring in my own people and do my own thing and let me really run this like a CEO or whatnot. But Venables is a defensive guy. There's one thing he can't do is let go of defense. He's going to have his hand in there. He may just have a finger on the pulse. Mm -hmm. He's got to have some sort of his body part around defense. The best part with Allie is he knows Chavis. He knows Bates from all the time there at Clemson. So he knows both of them. Mm -hmm. Read somewhere that he talked with Brandon Hall on a regular basis. So you've got a guy that has a relationship with the defensive staff already. You're not bringing somebody in who's got to figure it out. Nope. Mm -hmm. He has a relationship. That to me is so underrated as to what Venables made that choice on by bringing in a guy that is already had a relationship. And I bet you he had the conversation with the defensive guy and said, Hey, look, what do you think about Zach Allen? You think he's ready? They're probably like, Oh yeah, bring him. We'll make sure he's ready. And having that backing from everybody on staff. Oh, it's going to be a huge deal for him. So, um, Stephen, for for your question here, 
not sure if you've been under a rock, is Zach Allen, the uh, <laughs> former defensive coordinator at Jacksonville State. He worked with Brent Venables at Clemson for like seven years as a grad assistant and uh, as analyst for Venables specifically there at Clemson. So he he literally is like diet Brent Venables at the moment. We, we say diet for now, maybe even Coke Zero version. Which has same all same great taste, but zero calories because he's twenty nine years old in comparison to Venables being, you know, in his fifties. But we've got ourselves a young stud that I think will um, lead us, usher us properly into the SEC. So, Brian, you got any closing thoughts you want to throw into there before we move on to the next? Uh, yeah, there there was something that uh, I believe I believe it was it was Coop that said it, but um, had my had my wheels turning a little bit the. Yeah the way that that things are trending with with Brent Venable's defense um going into the SEC i think it's worth pointing out that things are right on schedule and what i mean by that is if you go back to venable's first tenure at oklahoma if you go back to his tenure at clemson year 3 Year one was bad. Year two was pretty good. Year three became elite. Elite. And I think even though Oklahoma is is heading into the, 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 the SEC, it's definitely worth pointing out, if there's one thing that the Big 12 does well, it's offense. Offensive coaches in the Big 12, offensive schemes in the Big 12 are tough. They just are. They just are. Um, so... I think that given the situation and the uniqueness, there's probably still going to be some some worry about that. But the reason why, the reason why those teams become good, Brent Venables has been so successful at keeping draft-eligible players for a year longer than maybe some other coaches would have been able to do. Mm-hmm. He's done that throughout his. I, I don't remember the Clemson defensive lineman. I, was it Dexter yeah, Lawrence? There, there were several guys on that team that stayed for another year. And it's been so long since Oklahoma has had. I mean, guys, really? I mean, you're, 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 you lose Rondell Bothrow and Isaiah Coe on the defensive line as starters. There's more guys in there, but as starters, you lose those two. An argument could be made that you you throw Deshaun Terry in there and he kind of offsets uh Co as a starter. You're 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 bringing back nine technical starters up to 11 really if you look at it that way. Um Ooh. you're you're going to have one of the most experienced defenses in the country. When's the last time you could say that about Oklahoma? That's those are the things that I, I think people lose sight of is those off seasons that you stack in the same system, we've got guy, we've got Ethan Downs, Billy Bowman, Woody Washington, and Danny Stutzman. All four of those guys have played two years under Brent Venables. They were here before Brent Venables got here, and they're heading into their final seasons as as we all expect. But they're all playing together still, and I think that that year. That extra year, that extra offseason, it's it's really really good for the Sooners. So, 
you know, be cautious, be whatever you are. I, I, you know, Oklahoma fans, I think have been hurt more than, than anybody over the years uh, in college football, just with how close they've been to greatness. But I do think you can at least look at the trajectory of where Oklahoma is headed. And I think the defense has a really good chance of being one of the best in the sec. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, Mm -hmm. experience is everything. They've got the dudes and they've got Brent Venables and Brent Venables at 30 years old now. So, yeah, no. And that leads perfectly into uh, one thought that I had about this team. Like if there's a concern about Oklahoma, I'm going to be 100% honest, transparent as a fan, as someone that pays attention, tries to analyze things and try to pretend to be smart. I'm going to give you guys one thing. 2027 is the year that I'm nervous about Oklahoma. And I say that because again, 4,000 snaps by freshman, redshirt, freshman, and sophomore this past season. Number one among ranked teams in college football. That's a lot of uh, young players playing. Those guys will get about three years together. And as Brian mentioned, BC said it perfectly. Brent Venables is infamous for getting guys to come back on the defensive side a year longer than they probably should. Kind of like Florida State did. I mean, Florida State was there, you know, they were able to go 13-0. and Unfortunately for them, if Jerry Burst got hurt instead of, you know, Jordan Travis, they probably make the playoffs. But they got Jared Verse, who was a top 10 pick that year, to come back one more year. And Venables is known for doing that same thing. We're probably going to have a lot of upperclassmen stick around, plus this 24 class, which I think is our best defensive line class we've had since the McCoy era. And you're going to have all of them all the way through 2026. By 2026, most of them dudes are going to be chunking the deuces, right? Because you're going to have a lot of dudes going to be eligible to get drafted, and they're going to probably go early. They may go early because they'll be that good potentially. So down the line over these next three years, 24 is going to be fun. 25 is going to be, wow. 26 is going to be, okay, I think 25 will probably be our best defensive team under Venables, period. I think it'll be hands down the best one. You'll still have the young dudes playing, and you'll still have like the last years of those linebackers that really stand out. We'll just have to see what the classes look like that they're stacking up and what portal guys they can bring in to add to the mix. But I really think that going into 25 is going to be So next season, because we're bringing in technically nine out of the 11 starters on the defensive side of the ball, even more helps what Allie's trying to do with him hiring Allie and what Venables is trying to do with bringing in a young D.C. He doesn't have to really teach too many guys too much. The linebackers have been in this system for two years, and they're now starting – they're going to grow. Canick should have that big Stutzman jump this year. This is the year where he'll recognize they're baiting me. Stop being fast to being fast to mistakes, right? Going full sprint to it. We're going to get better because of that. So, all right. Thank y'all for pulling up. Hit the like button. New to the channel. Subscribe. Rate, review if you're listening to the audio version. Appreciating BC pulling up. All right. Let's talk about the past season, and we'll go from there, talk a little natty, and we'll wrap things up. I want to give some awards out, right? I sent everybody this list of awards I want to give out, right? We want to talk about uh, the MVPs we feel like in performance. And y'all want y'all to hop in the comments and tell us who y'all think as well. We did this in the Discord, but we want to put these out in the streets too. Offensive MVP. I'm going to give y'all mine. Pass it to the panel. You can give your comments about it afterwards. Uh, my offensive MVP is going to go to Dylan Gabriel. He showed up, showed out. 
he really did lead the offense, man. He when when he was allowed to play like an Heisman candidate, he looked like an Heisman candidate all season. The only time he didn't like a Heisman candidate is when the cuffs were thrown on him in a game. But he looked good. He actually and I think it was um yeah, it was you Koop who mentioned it. He has a backup behind him, so he looks like he played with confidence. Actually, BC, you mentioned that he had a backup behind him, so he played with more confidence because you could kind of let loose. You know, he runs the ball and trucks somebody like he did at Iowa State for the touchdown. I mean, he's trucking dudes, run, running into dudes against Texas, trying to run in and get touchdown. He played with so much aggression that I just wish that he would have been unleashed in that Kansas game and we would have had a completely different outlook. But MVP for me goes to DG. BC, who do you have as your MVP? Yeah, I had DG as well. Um, I mean, the guy... I mean, he damn near cleared 50 touchdowns. I mean, like, Ooh, yeah. you know, he was good. I mean, he played really, really well. Um, and the 12 rushing touchdowns, I think having Jackson Arnold behind him, it kind of gave the staff a little more confidence to cut him loose. And, it, and he played well. And he played with a chip on his shoulder this year. Like, I, he was he was really good. And he, he was he was clean. He did a I believe his QBR finished top four in the country. Like mm-hmm. the guy was guy was solid. Um you know, what's crazy about this, and this is just the perception of how college football is and, and how important perception is in this game because it's become pretty political, but um, if he wins one of those two games, he's probably a Heisman finalist. Like, I mean, he was right there. I I, I don't think he wins it, on, honestly, and that's another conversation before we leave. We need to, we need to bring something up about the Heisman. But... Um, yeah, I, I think he was he was every bit as good as uh, as Oklahoma fans could have hoped. And the big thing is, he's he's going to go down as as a guy that that probably doesn't get as many flowers as he deserves for what he did while he was here, just because he was the quarterback on the team when that when it went six and seven. But mm-hmm. he did set the trajectory back for for Oklahoma quarterbacks, um, set them back up. Uh, to, to head in the right direction. So uh, DG was my guy too uh, for offensive MVP. Go. Cool. Because you guys both went in the DG, I'm going to actually make a full on blown out um, case for Drake Stoops. Love it. You, you I, I will argue. <laughs> I will think this. You put anybody else in the country, in the history of Oklahoma sport of football in the slot receiver position this year they do not match what drake did i'm taking any other slot receiver in the country any slot receiver in the history of oklahoma football and here's why i think drake stoops saved so many bad passes so many tipped balls he blocked his backside off i promise you that if you put in and i'm going to pick out i'm going to pick out somebody like a, uh, uh, you slide instead of Drake, put Lee Morris, who who all he did was catch touchdowns, right? You put him there. I don't think he makes some of the shoestring catches. I don't think he holds onto the ball some of the times that Drake's, Drake Stoops has got CTE after this year alone. Not, I mean, he that dude got hit so hard so often, and he put his life, I mean, I kid you not, I, I don't, we need a statue of Drake Stoops or some kind of acknowledgement of Drake Stoops on campus because I think he single single handedly 
it, it was, I mean, he, let's give him a, you know, the thousand yards and was it 12 touchdowns? It, it was, it was up there. Okay. So double digit touchdowns, but the number of passes that he caught that you give a very, very, very small, I mean, this is an Oracle, an AI, an Amazon AI or whatever commercial where they do the like 2% chance to catch the ball like he, he just he just he caught so many things he didn't have any business catching and i think that it saved so many drives it saved us from so many bad situations i think without him we probably lose at least one more game without drake Stoops this year yeah you made a good point about that i mean he led the big 12 he was second in receptions he was uh he was leading in touchdowns up until the bowl game he finished the season second in, rece- in uh, touchdowns at 10 um, and he finished number five in yards in conference. Like, there's a good yeah. argument for him on offense MVP, so I, I, I wouldn't fight you on that one. All right, defense. Defensive MVP, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the wire. When I, we did it in my Discord, I, you know, I was running with studs, but to be honest, giving it to Bowman, dude. Three interceptions re- returned for a touchdown. He finished with, what, five on the season? He was everywhere, and he was – he was a missile in those hit. That hit on Sanders, man, made mm-hmm. Sanders go ahead. I'm declaring for the draft. He's like, I wait, out. Billy's coming I'm back? Done. Oh, no, I'm out. And the funny thing is they know each other. If I'm correct, they went to high school together. Or they They're went to rival high, high school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, nah, I ain't, I, nah, that, that dude's going to target me again. I'm good. I'm, I'm out. So Billy Bowman forced a Texas tight end to hit the draft. I got to give it to him as my defensive MVP. Coop, I'll pass it to you this time. Mm-hmm, and then BC, I'll let you finish mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna homage to Gabe Eichert here. I was gonna go with Isaiah Coe because Isaiah Coe, and I've and I've used his name in a manner like he ends the season in the bowl game with his best game that he's had as a Sooner. Um, he was the most consistent defensive lineman that we had this year. I use Isaiah's, Isaiah, Isaiah, I'm going to text him. I'm going to video myself apologizing him and then send it to him. But, I, you know, we used him as the name that you toss right next to J-A-G. Just a guy. And this year, he maximized his, uh, I mean, he, he, he maximized his, his talents, his ability to learn this system. And so uh, I, I think it's there, but I, I got to give it to Stutzman. Um, you made a comment earlier. I mean, we lose two games. I think we effed around at a level six and found out a level eight um, on offense, and that's why we lost those two games. But it's no coincidence that Danny wasn't there uh, because I think he, even though he was on the sideline, um, I think that there's just something. It's like it's hard for you to half-ass something when Danny comes off the field and looks you in the eye. Like, you can't do it. And so, uh, unless your name is your roommate, um, but I, I fully want to say Danny Stutzman. I mean, at one point, I, 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 I mean, I, I could have, I was going to not make a an OU claim like some of our fans have done, like if we beat Texas, all X Y Z. But like, I would have said if he doesn't win the butt kiss, I, you know, I'll, I'll pay five hundred dollars to the first person who DMs me. I thought he was a shoe in for the butt kiss, and he was just phenomenal. Uh, so, I mean, I got to go with Danny. I like that. BC. I, I promise I'm not just copying you, man. Um, <laughs> Billy Bowman's who I had too. Uh, and I think that the the play that kind of encapsulates 
uh, his season is is obviously that pick six against against BYU. I mm-hmm. I have to I have to uh, be specific because he had several, but uh, the pick six against BYU. I think Oklahoma loses that game if that play doesn't happen. Ooh, I was yeah. there. Point. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, I I was there. I was right on the sideline. The I mean, BYU was was right in win territory. I mean, they were right on the cusp of having it. He doesn't make that play. And and, and did you guys do you guys remember or did you hear the story on, on the play on how all of that went down? Yeah, he was supposed to blitz and he he pulled yeah. back and saw something. Yes, and was like, nah, he, nah, nah. Yeah, he said uh, they they got mixed up on on things and saw that that guy was coming wide open and he he said he just ran to cover and the ball pretty much just landed right in his hands. He, like he it was it was one of those things he, and. He had uh, the lean forward. That's why yeah. he got behind the receiver because he had the yeah. lean forward for his blitz. Exactly. And he couldn't. So he just kind of – it looked like he floated out. He was just in no man's land. He yeah. didn't know what he was doing. And then he, the ball's coming at him. And I, I, he ran like he stole something, and, yeah. and, which I would have too because <laughs> it was dirty. The quarterback for BYU, it feels like he thought that Bowman was going to blitz too. Yes. It looks like he read mm-hmm. the play. He he was like, right oh, I know this defense was going to come. And yeah. it, as soon as he let go, I was like, no. No. <laughs> rewind. Rewind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, hey, man. I mean, look, I thought the fact that Billy Bowman wasn't a, a Thorpe Award finalist, like, what are we doing? This award's from Oklahoma. Like, bro, it, it was just, yes. it was just weird yes. to me. I, I don't understand. But again, that's a guy, name recognition is so big on things like that. He's a first teamer next year. I, I think this is a guy that's going to be, he'll be one of those guys that, that makes it up on the wall for Oklahoma. Um, yeah. The, the, the leadership, the guys that he's got around him in that room. I mean, that safety room looks like it hasn't in Oklahoma in, in years and, and Bowman's best guy right. in that room. And here's the thing is, is I know Danny Stutzman's the guy that's literally grabbing people and lining them up and throwing them where they need to be, you know, but Bowman's just as important when it comes to having all that stuff set up the right way. And um, I think he really showed out this year and, and really reached his potential. Um, guy's special, man. Oh, you getting him back is that's so big. That's such that's such a big boost for that team. Huge for what we're trying to do going into next season. All right, special teams. Special teams MVP. I'm gonna get it to Elzinga. That man was punting his butt off when we need to go ahead and make him punt. I'm just gonna keep it simple. <laughs> BC, who'd you have? I actually want Peyton Bowen here. Um, yeah, he man, he Son had of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, guys, w- w- when he was healthy before the ankle injury and and him dealing with all that stuff, the dude was just a difference maker. Like, I mean, two block punts. Uh, he, he just, the, he's gonna be special, guys. He, if he's not already, he's gonna be special. I am. I don't really have to go into it any further than that. That guy, whenever he becomes, whenever he steps into a role bigger um, than he's in right now, it's it's going to be huge. Um, and yeah, Elzinga needs his flowers. That man got a rocket for a leg. I don't know why uh, Josh Plaster was out there. No offense to the guy, but I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Elzinga got it. So <laughs> I'll, I'll offend him. Plaster, you <laughs> lost your aster, aka your job, and Elzinga <laughs> never gave it back. Goodness gracious. But no, I, 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 I put El Zinga, but I was going to do my whole, like, I was going to go with Peyton Bowen. But now, didn't the, uh, the, the transfer, one of the transfers came in and he's got four blocked kicks. 
uh, yes. you know, uh, in the season. And yes, so now they got now they're going to have to have a little battle royale and just start blocking kicks every time they get a chance. Hmm. Yeah, Willard. Yeah, Willard has uh, four of them. So, yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a timing thing, especially at his size. And him coming oh gosh, in, it was like he's like two sixty, like two sixty something. That's a that's pretty um, it's pretty good for for you know at his size yeah. to be able to get in there. Bowman is Bowen is Peyton Bowen is just so good at just hawking the ball, defensively mm-hmm. tackling. Just he's he's just really good at placing himself in the right spot. And those two blocks, good point. That's actually uh, he probably should have won that from me too. Uh, I was just thinking, just punting and kicking. And I was just wasn't really paying, thinking really because it's been a while since he had been dealing with that ankle injury. We haven't got to see him do it again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hundred uh, percent. It yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, offensive most improved. Somebody asked this question in here earlier when we were talking about Drake. Mine was Nick Anderson. Nick walked in there as a redshirt mm-hmm. freshman, led the nation in yards, yards per, per catch. catch. And looked good doing it. Like, he was Nick Six at one point, right? About half of his catches were touchdowns. And if we could have found a way to just keep feeding him like that, yeah, he's he's going to do more. But I think that that improvement and the coaching ability of Emmett Jones, man, I think that wide receiver room is going to be just dumb next year. Just dumb. So excited about yeah. that. I gave it to Nick Six on that one. Coop, we'll go to you. Yeah, Nick Six. I mean, he's he's... He was, uh, again, coming into this year, you had Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson. It's show me state time. Like, you just got to show me because this is this is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, you got to go with Nick Six because um, he came out. And like you said, I mean, at one point it was like eight touchdowns and like 14, and 14 catches or something silly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, he's – I think that he's still learning the position. So, uh, shout out to Emma Jones because uh, he's pretty good at his job. So I was going I was going Nick Anderson too for a bit, but I actually flipped over to, to Drake Stoops. Um, and we've already talked we've already talked about him for a bit. So I'll keep this part simple. Um, stat line, 80 receptions, 914 yards, seven touchdowns. That is Drake Stoops combined stats from the 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021 and 2022 seasons 80 catches 914 yards seven touchdowns in 23 he had 84 catches 962 yards and 10 touchdowns so he outperformed his entire five-year career in one season that's tough i don't care who you are that's tough that's i mean he he balled out um the other guy that that I, i thought about for a bit and this was kind of a different spin on the most improved Gavin Sawchuk from week one to Gavin Sawchuk bowl game. Ooh, yeah. wow. Huge. I mean, guy, I mean, the argument could be made that there may not have been a better running back over the last five games in the country than Gavin Sawchuk. That's a fair point. He was over a hundred yards every game. Like, I mean, he played really well and uh, there's not really a question who the, the lead back is and uh, going into next season and in the SMU game, I mean, we didn't know when nobody had any idea. So, um, yeah, he needs his flowers too, but, but Drake stoops, he's a stud, man. That's a good point. I, I, and, and I love that you brought up all his numbers up into this season, how he just outdid them combined. It's, it's just it's crazy, it's crazy. Hell of a season, and, man. Hell of a season. And even with the, the Salchuk piece, the end of the year, I mean, he finished the year with what five straight hundred yard games. 
Um, that that room was so beat up, yep. you know, coming into the season. We thought that was our strongest room, right? Then the wide receiver room basically took over and said, no, 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 we're, we're number one. Um, we're going to do, we're going to take over. And they were the, they were the best part of this team. And the unfortunate part with the running backs was, like I said, they weren't healthy most of the year mm -hmm. and still trying to get themselves back into confidence in, in like the hamstring and the foot, those injuries, they just had, they just, now that they're looking healthy, I bet you Barnes will be, he'll have a year off that foot to really let it recover from that uh, surgery he had. Sawchuck could get that hammy going. Uh, Megwa got a run, and that told me that he's probably going to start seeing some carries. He's probably going to be a 10 carry a game guy. Hey, I'll make it to 100 yards at those 10 carries, which I'm not going to complain. <laughs> but, you know, after what he did to his knee, made you wonder. But, yeah, that, 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 was, that was big. So, excited about that. All right, defensive most improved. So, I struggled with this one because the one I wanted to give it to is Kendall Dolby, but Kendall was new. He's more of a newcomer. He's more of a portal MVP candidate than he is actually a defensive MVP uh, improved because he wasn't here last year. So if I'm going to improve, got to give it to Gentry Williams. That dude, Dana's shut down set high, a, a side of the field. And the best part about it is Gentry got his interceptions this past season because teams did not want to throw the ball to Woody Washington, right? Like some fans are jumping in and be like, oh, Woody's not that good. Obviously, he is if teams decide they want to test a young dude and not go after Woody because they could have went after Woody all season, but they didn't. They decided that they wanted to go after Gentry because they didn't know him. They didn't know what he had to offer and all of that. And then the dude gets out there and gets three interceptions. Now, the big thing with him was he couldn't – that shoulder, he was messing his shoulder up, which he's probably going to get that cleaned up here in the offseason, which is a good thing. But dealing with that shoulder, he, you know, he, he was in and out. But when he was playing – no, he's your field dude, and that's a hard position to have to be able to cover that much yeah, space. That's the big side. He was terrorizing quarterbacks. They were getting they were getting nervous. They was getting rid of the ball as quick as possible, not only from our rush, but they were trying to get Gentry off base as much as possible. And the dude finished the season, like I said, with three interceptions. And him making Quinn when he Quinn double clutched and he read his eyes immediately, cut across and got that pick against Texas. I was like, yep. That dude's going to be a monster. I already knew it. He went to Booker T in Tulsa. I'm from there. I went to high school there. People there have told me, dude's going to be legit. Yeah, he's going to definitely be one. So I'd say most improved defensively. It was really hard. Got to give it to Gentry. BC, who's your defensive most improved player? So I guess I'm breaking the rules here because this guy was a transfer, but it was a, it, it was a very unique situation. Jacob Lacey. This is who I pick. Guys, the fact that he had pulmonary embolisms in his lungs. <laughs> you don't joke. Think about that. The guy had pulmonary embolisms in his in his lungs and didn't know if he was gonna play football ever again. He didn't just play per PFF, he led the defensive line in snaps. He played 385 snaps at defensive tackle. So, look, I can't, I, I, I can't even begin to explain how incredible that is. He missed fall camp. Like, guy wasn't able to do summer workouts. He was fighting for his life. I mean, this is something that you're, 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 you're not, your livelihood's going to be completely changed. The stat line, look, you can't really, you can't really, 
grade defensive tackles off of a stat line individual especially in a Brent Venables defense their job is to eat up blocks that's what they do I mean that's Mm -hmm. why Daniel Stutzman has the seasons that he's had but he had 14 tackles three tackles for loss a sack three hits or excuse me apologize wrong person 17 tackles 25 2.5 tackles for loss a sack a hit three quarterback hurries he played really really well he obviously led the, uh, the the team in snaps there at the position for Todd Bates, which is huge. Um, another guy that needs needs his his flowers here, and I and I did think about taking this one was Jordan Kelly. Um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a guy that's going to get lost in the fold as as, as guys that that Oklahoma is going to miss that you know fans aren't really going to think of. But for him to stick around and do what he did and, and turn into the player that he did for Oklahoma. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, Todd Bates was 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 able to kind of revive his career, and and he he played really well here to finish the year. But Jacob Lacey's who I went with. I mean, this is an incredible story. That that that's a really good story. I seem so glad that you shared that because a lot of people didn't know that. I like that. Yeah, cool. Ethan Downs. Ooh, I thought. Good one. I. I thought when Ethan Downs was put on the preseason All-American list, it, I mean, I compared it, and I thought it was more ridiculous than Igwebu being on the previous years. You know, it it was essentially like, I hear things about this guy could do, let's put him there. And, you know, I, I, I was on record, like, saying he was probably not going to be, I, I was like, I bet he doesn't start games. Ethan Downs, statistically, didn't have a phenomenal year, but he was so disruptive. <clears throat> and when when I mean when it was tackled I me mean, from a sack standpoint, but like his his uh you know within two yards to two yard loss in that four yard area, uh right you know on both sides of the line of scrimmage, Ethan Downs that was his land, and mm-hmm. you didn't come into his land. And when he made plays. They were super impactful, and you know, again, he is just one of those guys who, um, at the beginning of the year, I thought, leave him on the sideline, please, for the love of God. And then at the end of the year, I'd see something going on and be like, hey, this is a big play. Why is Ethan Downs not in there? Just because he may not sack the quarterback, but you know what's going to happen? He's going to push him right into somebody else, or he's going to make them get the ball out, and somebody else is going to pick the ball off. So. I mean, he is just one of those most – he just had a disruptive season. And, um, you know, I, I'd say the Ethan Downs apology bandwagon uh, starts here. I appreciate the fact that you uh, decided that you were going to go ahead, you know, and apologize like that. You know, not too many people can uh, can, can can handle doing that. And that, that, that's actually a really good thing because, you know, when I, I looked at him, when you mentioned Downs, that's that's a good one because he was actually 13th. And if you take the Oklahoma, Texas, and then all the SEC schools on PFF, he was 13th in hurries at 22. Like he was getting pressure. He had his five, he had his what, uh, six sacks, three hits, and then 22 hurries. I mean, 31 total pressures. That's pretty good. If you, I mean, if you're in the top 15 of the SEC, the new SEC. Yeah. He did some damage, so that actually was a really good choice. The other thing about him is, like, that is a that's a perfect. He's the he's the epitome of a Brent Venables guy. Like, yeah, he oh, does yeah. every he does everything by the book. 
I mean, he he's is Skalski. Skalski. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a yeah. He's he's a. I mean, he's a man. He's a man of the word. He's all. I mean, he's all about. He's all about it. He's all about everything. Yeah. And he does everything a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, he's a he's a great. I mean, one of my favorite. One of my favorite guys to interview. He's he's just fantastic. Yep. He was number fifteen for the SEC, including Oklahoma and Texas, per PFF in just total uh, pressures at thirty five. You know, like I said, thirty-five awesome. total. He's and, thirty-one total. He was fifteenth. And as as Hank as Hank says it, he owned the halftime of the Sugar Bowl. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. He made a lot of mad. All the messages he was getting. He hurt a lot of folks. Did you he hurt so the, Did you guys see the video going around of the lady up in the yep. stands, just like just going yeah. after? <laughs> going. I mean, it was long. Like she Bro, was not. I would. And, I, He's such a nice person because I would have outed her in a heartbeat and, and I would have put that DM oh, out yeah. there and be like, hey, here you go, guys. <laughs> have and fun. then I said it. It's not even, I mean, that wasn't like a 21-year-old, you know, co-ed traveling. That was like a 50-year-old lady's hands or like upper 40s, like whoever <laughs> that was. So that that is that is somebody's mama, it, you know, maybe on the team. Uh, but she was, oof, it was, it was terrific. That well played there. Ethan Horns yeah. Downs. Horns down. <laughs> That's going to be his name going forward. All right. Portal MVP. And then we'll wrap it up with coaches, with, with which one of the coaches get, the, get your award. Portal. So this is where I struggle. I had two. I had to go co on this one. I don't like going co typically. Um, I only did it because I didn't do an O and D. I just did it as one award. I got to give it to Andrew Anthony and Kendall Dolby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and technically, Dolby's not a portal guy either because he's a Juco guy. So, I, but I had to lump him in there. I found a way. Kendall Dolby was so good at the cheetah and at the at the mm. nickel and at the corner. When you needed him, dude, so reliable. So reliable. So reliable at that. Dolby was... he. When I saw him come in at Juco, I was like, okay, I think he's going to be special. And he exceeded my expectations. And I had high expectations of him coming in. The only thing that concerned me was his height, 5'10-ish or whatnot. And when we talked to Reggie Pearson here on the show, Reggie was basically saying, he was like, look, if Kendall gets out of his own head, dude's going to be elite. And it looked like he got out of his own head because he was out there being elite. He's going to be dangerous next season oh i'm so excited they just got him just moving around the field play him at free safety throw him at corner put him at nickel put him at cheetah put him at middle linebacker i don't care find ways to get that man on the field and he's gonna be on the field more too because harrington's coming back so yeah there we go yeah i mean they're expecting him to come back expecting that medical wheelchair to come that medical waiver to come through yeah we're gonna look at that it's just saying. going to be good. Next to him, Andrew Anthony was my offensive guy. If I had to go into, you know, we would do two positions. Andrew Anthony, unfortunately, tears his ACL against Texas in that game where he was about to go off. We saw a little dip in our offensive production because he really did take up a lot of attention. But when he came in from Michigan, I had a whole bunch of y'all, and I'm saying y'all, in these comments, because I love y'all, but I'm calling some of y'all out. Y'all in my comments talking about this dude, like, well, Michigan didn't even want him. Why do we get him? I'm just like, it's okay. Probably because he wasn't in the depth chart, moving up like we need. He's, you, you're not ready. Just watch what he's able to do. He's got the, the, the blow the top off speed that we want. And I bet you he's going to be, there's something about him 
that Emmett Jones and them said, yeah, we need to go for him. And Emmett was hired the same day. And I think Emmett actually was recruiting him before he even officially, quote unquote, took the job. Well, he took the job, but he wasn't officially on the job. Then he walks in and becomes wide receiver one. And Nick Anderson had a great year, right? That is crazy to me that he walked in and said, nah, I'm going to take the number one spot. Even with Drake's two-time great, I'm going to be our number one receiver. And if he did not get hurt, he easily has 100 catches this season. Easily. And I think DG's numbers get even more, even more inflated just yeah. because of the attention that Andrew required out there. So I had to do that. Andrew, Anthony, Kendall, Doby, BC, who you got? Portal guy. I definitely cheated on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I picked, I picked three guys. This was, I just, oh, okay. yeah, I, I, it was, look, it was tough for me to pick these, but um, two of them is, is more, Really, they're all three just about their impact. The first one is an offensive guy, is Austin Stogner. Like getting him back. Look, I know that there were times when the blocking in situations was bad. Some of the insert stuff, blocking on the perimeter was bad during the middle of the year. But he he progressed as a blocker. But the the reason why he he is one of my MVPs is because if you hadn't had him at tight end, that position doesn't see the field. Like, I mean, you're, you're, you don't have, and you can't play effective offense without a tight end in the passing scheme in the big 12. Like you just can't, you need the safeties to have some sort of responsibility for those guys. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, so it is what it is. The other two guys are defensive guys. Dejon Terry. Yeah, dude, just a dude. Hey, and again, this is this is one of those positions in the, in the defensive interior. It's so hard to know how well a guy is is playing or or what kind of effect he's having, unless you look around at what Oklahoma does uh, as a team. And whenever Dejon Terry comes in, the defense from last year to this year. So last season, Oklahoma allowed 187.5 rushing yards per game. That was 104th nationally. Okay. This year, they allowed 138.6. That's 43rd nationally. It's uh, 61 spots better. The improvement was huge. And so DeJon Terry was one of their best uh, run defenders. Huge that he's coming back next year. Um can't say enough about him. And then the other guy was Rondell Bothroyd. Somebody opposite of Ethan Downs. No, he didn't have the sack numbers, but his pressures, according to Oklahoma now, you guys all know PFF versus coaches, you know, things are going to look different. With official QB hurries, he led the team with eight. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was around the ball. One play in particular that sticks out. I believe it was the Texas game uh, where they had a reverse in a goal line situation set up and Bothroyd sees it the whole way. And it changes the the feel of that entire drive. Uh, It just stymied what Texas was doing. Um, Bothroyd was a, he was a veteran presence and he kind of allowed our Mason Thomas wasn't who we hoped he would be this season because of injury for most of the year. Bothroyd gave you a good guy on that on that side of the ball. So those are my three. I know I cheated, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, I, nope. I, it was it was it was worth it in my opinion. 
I, I agree. It was 100% worth it. Because great points. And I, I like giving those players their flowers in, yeah. in that capacity. Who, 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 who you riding with? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw my. No, I did not. I'm gonna throw my uh, uh, my coach in here too because I got to bounce. Uh, I got an early, early, early flight in the morning. Um, but uh, I'm going with Andrell. Uh, you nailed it. Uh, I mean, literally when the guy went down, you know, you thought you saw the emergence of so many other guys at that point, and Farouk still hadn't come out yet. So like we thought, you know, surely he will soon. Um, but I mean, yeah, the offense just you know, had this, it was on the struggle bus shortly after that. Uh, so gotta, gotta say that. And, and it, he's going to, you know, be ready for fall and, uh, hopefully he uh, is, you know, ready late spring. These ACLs are completely different nowadays. Um, and then, um, you know, you, you stole it on Dolby. I mean, you know, if you guys remember Brandon Shelby, Brandon Shelby was one of those guys who any time that there was like, a, you know, we had scored to go up and we really, really needed something on the defensive side to, you know, just get the defense off the field and get the offense back on, it'd be this corner blitz by Dolby and he'd be right there. Or there would be a bang-bang play um, to where, you know, defensive back stops somebody three yards short of the first down, what looked like to be a just a wide-open first down, like, give me. It was always him. And Kendall Dolby was that guy this year. I mean, anytime that he you saw his name, it was a big play. Hmm. It wasn't him tackling somebody 37 yards downfield, and you're like, oh, somebody freaking tackled him, thank God. Um, you know, not like those. It was... You know, he had a corner blitz uh, and, and a sack at one point that, that that's when I the Shelby thing kind of hit. So, um, bro, he's just he's so good. Um, now, it's uh, you know, it, it's it's good that you said uh, Deshaun Terry, because I was going to say. I expected more sack numbers, but then I got to think about the BV defensive line. But I think the thing that he brought was that SEC mentality and that dog mentality on the defensive line. And I think that that gave them a boost. Like it, it felt like the, the rest of the defensive line got like a got a bully that was coming on their side, and they were yeah. like, "All right, yeah." So it kind of like increased the mean streak then, because for a while there, I was like, "Hold on a second, we just took a a mediocre edge guy, thickened him up, and put him as a starting defensive tackle because nobody else could take the seat from him." And no no disrespect to Laalu, but. I thought we got to have somebody show out. So um, Dejon Terry is great because he just developed a bulldog. And, and I got to say, the coach, um, I, you know, without the injuries, I, I would have said Valai because um, because that that unit was crazy. I've gave, given Emmett his props already, and so I'll just go with Brandon Hall because um, the safeties were a strength on our defense this year. Um, and it was a, it was a stout thick room when you're, when you're bouncing Reggie Pearson, um, or you, you're like, yes, whatever. Um, that's just, that's crazy because Reggie Pearson is, has been on some really, really good defenses and he's a really, really good player, but you know, Hall was just, uh, that's, I mean, when Dave McCullough is like, Hey, I want to bounce. He's a good player. He was going to be somebody. Uh, you know, he didn't go to Montana State. I mean, he went to Louisville. So um, mm. I, I said it multiple times on the show is, you know, you can't just be a guy and show up and want to play the secondary on OU anymore. But no, a, I got to bounce, fellas. Love you both. Love you everybody too. in the chat. And uh, 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll catch back up. All right. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you. All right. So me and Ryan wrap this bad boy up with coaches. My coach real quick, man. So, you know, you know, Coop made a good point. We'd give flowers. But I got to keep doing it. Giving it to Emmett Jones just because, man. Right, right. It's hard. It's hard to argue what he did with that room. Like, walking into the season, I've said this so many times, we thought the wide receiver room was our weakest room. Like, we were yep. concerned. We said, okay, it's going to be Jalil Farouk. We don't know about these young dudes. We Everybody's got questions, what they going to look like. I mean, Drake is, you know, he catch passes over the middle. You know, he cool. Drake's up there leading stats or top five in stats for the big 12, right? Nick's out here getting touched, leading the nation. And like I said, receptions, uh, yards per reception. Like we got all of this stuff. We're like, Oh, and then Jane Gibson was holding on to the ball. Like, I mean, like our biggest concerns we truly had in that room in that room. No concerns anymore. And he's elite in the recruiting side. Like, I mean, oh. he's number 25, at least should be. Right. Or unless he decides he wants to grab a couple more that he can have athletes and put them on both sides of the ball and share them. So I know mm. right now there's a fight for uh, for Jacoby Johnson <clears throat> between him, uh, Brandon Hall and Jay Valai. They all kind of, you know, got to get in the ring and see who wins this fight so we can take him for the week or whatnot. So, no, it's just he he did everything. We, we he exceeded every expectation when we hired him. People questioned who this dude is. We're bringing in from Texas Tech. Why would we want to do that worked at Kansas? Like, was he going to really be? And then now everybody's like, yeah, man, uh, Emmy Jones needs to be offensive coordinator. I ain't to do that so that he don't leave. We need to do whatever we got to do to keep him here. Crazy how things turn out, right? Yeah. I know yeah. you're probably going the same direction. Right? I am, yeah. It's, it's Emmett Jones. I mean, <clears throat> as you just said, that was, I believe I wrote, on OU Insider, that was mm-hmm. OU's biggest question mark coming in was was wide receiver. Uh, everybody was worried about it, didn't know who was going to catch passes. Now he's got the room he does. But here's the thing this this is what kind of this was what shows you what kind of man they got. I mean, they got a dude at wide receiver at wide receiver coach. He he goes in in 2024. He gets Zion Kearney. He gets Ivan Carrion, and then he gets. Uh, Zion uh, Raggins. On top of all of that, he goes into the transfer portal head to head against Texas, who's about to lose their top two wide receivers to the draft, and says, Nah, Deion Burks, you want to come to Norman? You don't want to go to Austin. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, that that's cool and everything. But did you see what Drake Stoops just did the slot position? Like, I mean, if you want, let me help you out. And Mm-hmm. He lands him. I mean, so like the guy is just—he's incredible. He's incredible on the—he's incredible on the field. Uh, those guys really—they block their tails off. The wide receiver room just continues to be physical, and that's something that he—he is—his uh, you know—he's pounded in their heads, and and it's showing on the on the recruiting trail as well. Twenty twenty five's got—he's got some guys uh, that are going to be difference makers in that class too. So, yeah, he's he's been incredible. I, I did see something in the in the comments. Nobody brought up Walter Rouse as a transfer portal MVP. That's another good option. So no, that dude was he was he was fantastic for OU too. So yeah, yeah, Rouse was Rouse was. I mean, going between Rouse and Tyler Guyton, I mean, it's it's really you truly could go up in the air yep. between the two. Heck, you could even throw Guyton up there as uh, O line uh, as the offensive MVP or uh, most improved because mm. 
dude's now a first rounder. And I think Walter Rouse is definitely going to get drafted. He's probably a late day two, uh, mm-hmm. day three guy. Yeah. Just, I mean, Beatonbo deserves even some credit for what he's done with those guys, even as a coach. I mean, as you go, <laughs> coach, I mean, Beatonbo, you can even give him props with that because, yep. I mean, he may see, he may see four dudes get drafted. Like, I would have not thought that going into the season. Now, I knew Guyton was definitely after what he did with Jared Verse. I was like, okay, he's definitely going to. Yeah. But, I mean, there's some rumbles of Tower being a, a, a third round, a third day guy. There was rumbles of uh, of Rain being a third day guy. And a lot of y'all be hating him, dude. So, it's just amazing to see how things, how the season wrapped up. May not be the way we wanted, but man, there so many bright spots in preparation for next season. Like, yeah. like, what do you do? Like, like, how do you complain about, you know, just what we, what the foundation that's been laid. I, yeah. you're, you're straight, right. Walter Rouse is another one. That, yeah. Especially the two handed block. Right. That dude, It's funny because I, I'm thinking about that because I was watching the end of that 49ers game. And Trent Williams did that exact thing to I forgot who they played against just now, but he on the right he had two dudes just like this. Yeah, on the Rams he had two dudes just like this with the two with one hand and the other, and he's blocking. I'm just like two and a hell. I expect that out of Trent though, because I mean that dude's different. (laughs) He's different. They call him Silverback. He call him Silverback for a reason. I mean that man is different. He is built different. (laughs) Oh man, purely different. And he was sitting there. Literally standing on business the entire <laughs> yeah. time. <laughs> so, but Rouse deserves yeah. props. For, yeah. yeah, he. Um, I agree. You said something about uh, the foundation that's been laid, and this was, you know, I don't know, I won't, I won't keep you long on this one, but no, please. The a thought occurred, and this was on my way back from San Antonio. It was, you know quiet more than listening to a whole lot of music and just like to, you know, think and process what I just watched and the differing philosophies in what the previous regime had at Oklahoma versus what Brent Venables has now could not have been more polar opposites than they are. And I'm not just talking about, scheme i mean obviously you've got an offensive and a defensive coach we're talking about um, accountability as far as practice and stuff goes lincoln riley was almost so much of a player's coach that it was a detriment um you know there's that's that's well documented um you have brent venables also a player's coach but ain't nobody gonna question him about being at practice on time like that's there's there's not a question. It's different. So like the the philosophies, yes, are one thing, but the culture, the mm-hmm. winning culture, the Oklahoma culture, it's 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 where it's back where it needs to be. You have people staying for the right reasons. You're building a roster of guys that are talented, but they want to be Oklahoma Sooners. And I I I think that people don't realize just how difficult that is to instill in two years. Like. It, you're changing everything about your program, and he's done that. So, yep. Um, just hats off to, to to BV as well. Like you know that that guy, getting them back to ten and three. No, it wasn't what everybody wanted, but you know, if Oklahoma's eleven and two. Nobody's having the questions that they're having uh, about next year. So, um, it, it was a big year for Oklahoma. You got to be happy with them at, at ten and three after what what happened 
in the in the wake of Lincoln Riley leaving. So, right, and your point to you know even continuing this foundation piece, how we've had such turnover, right? I mean, there's yeah. probably about ninety. I'd say if you want to give it a, a number, you know, all, you know, eighty percent of all statistics are made up, so I'm gonna make up a statistic. But I'd say we're in the ninety percent range, right? of turnover from players from his regime back i mean oh got, I, got, I got number i got the number for you right here oh, what's the exact number there were 13 players scholarship and preferred walk-on that were available for this alamo bowl versus the first the alamo bowl whenever he took over so there were 13 players out of 125 that were on the roster so that's, that's, that's like 92%. I yeah. was right there. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Scholarship yes! players, scholarship players, it was only 10. And, and of those scholarship players, only eight were contributors. So like, I mean, it's a, to- it's a new team. It's a totally new team. Within two years, guys, he has basically turned over just about every player that, which I, this is why I push back on people that complain about NIL and transfer portal in some capacities, because without the portal, you're not going to be able to be able to refresh your roster like this with guys that fit better in what you're trying to do. And like you, like you mentioned, BC, the, um, the culture change, the Mm. attitude change, you don't get that all the time. You don't get everybody to buy in that quickly. Really? That's really your biggest problem is getting players to buy in when the new coach comes in and Venables was able to go out there, find the guys that match what we were trying to do. And boom, we have to do it. So that's over 90% turnover on contributors on this roster. And that's like you said, scholarship and PW. That's crazy that he was able to change that many dudes. But also again, we take so many recruits for that particular reason. And that's why when it comes to the portal, just adds more fuel to the the video I'm going to drop tomorrow about that is we purposely pick specific players to not alienate the recruits we're bringing in. We know when we need veteran presence as the band-aid for the position, but our goal ain't to get ain't to replace all the dudes that we're bringing in as recruits because that's your foundation. That's what your big boys do. That's what your Georgias do, your Bamas. The yeah. players that they're shedding, they're shedding the weight of players that aren't going to contribute anymore. The guys that aren't going to be around. And every once in a while they're like, okay, injury issues, and all of that, mm. we probably need to go get another dude that could probably potentially start or get actually rotate. Right. So they they find that. And if you don't get the recruits you fully want, you go find an additional portal dude to help add to that. So yeah, it's that's how you build a team. If you want to build a sustainable winner, like we haven't, it hasn't been proven yet that you can win only out the portal. Lane Kiffin is pushing that. He's pushing that envelope, boy. Lane is pushing it hard right now. A&M was buying all their recruits and couldn't find success, which is still wild to me, but that's a coaching problem, not really a player problem. But we've got to see. Ole Miss is going to teach us. Colorado's going to teach us. Can you build a sustainable winner just through the portal? Washington looks like, I mean, they've got a lot of contributors from the portal, but for the most uh, most part, Kalen DeBoer had them dudes at least in there for a year before, for a full season before they're starting to see the success. Michigan, they're home. They're built in the house. Yep. They're built in house with 30 recruits, every class. And then they just shed based upon what they need. So we'll find out what everything looks like long-term. So as we wrap this bad boy up, 
DC, thank you for being here for as long as you have. Thank you yeah. so much. We appreciate it. Always a great listen. Don't worry about talking long because you always provide some great content. Now, National Championship, who you got? Who you think going to win this game? I've picked against Washington the entire way, so why quit now? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I've i doubted them the entire way. I didn't think they'd beat Oregon once. Didn't think they'd beat them twice, obviously. They did. Um <laughs> I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Michigan. I think Michigan's the better overall football team. I think that passing defense provides a different challenge for Michael Penix. Now, it don't matter how good the passing defense is if Michael Penix plays the way he did against Texas, because mm-hmm. that man finding <laughs> keyholes in the door like <laughs> he, he, he different. He was different. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Michigan. I think it's. I think it's lower scoring than than what what Washington wants. And that was my other on the Heisman talk. They picked the Heisman too early, man. They picked the Heisman <laughs> too early. It should happen after the bowl season. Michael Penix should be your your Heisman Trophy winner. But I digress. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. I I only disagree because. Daniels, to me, Jay and Daniels had a Caleb Williams type season. Like Fair. literally the only reason why LSU was any good was because of him. Fair. Like you take him off the team. Even with Penix, you can do the same thing, but I think that Daniels was a little bit more critical. Um, and he didn't he that one that one game when Penix was sick was at Arizona State and they just struggled. I thought I was like, that's probably the game that tipped it over for me for Daniels, because Daniels yeah. had it. I mean, he ran for right. over a thousand yards. He threw for three, but I agree. You no. probably should go with the Heisman right after the national championship, just in case you have a dude that decides to go into playoffs and cook everybody's meat. Like he just cook them up. Cause he, yep. God, he's good. And so <laughs> my pick though, Michigan, I said this right when all the scandals started, Michigan's going to national championship, ain't they? And then they're going to vacate all their wins. So this whole season was a waste. This is exactly what's going to happen. All of it is lining up perfectly for us to look at this and be like, man. And Harbaugh is going to be an NFL coach 36 yes, hours exactly. after. exactly. <laughs> Somebody's going to be looking back like, what? Like, ain't anybody even here? Can't even bask in it no more. Michigan's yeah. in, uh, under investigation. So they're going to go ahead and pay Sharon more and say, look, we'll give you five years to hang out and just continue to win games. We're not going to be able to go to bowl games, but, you know, Sharon, you do this. They're going to find a way to keep him around. Harbaugh's going to take all the blame. He's going to go coach the Chargers or the Raiders or the Falcons, whichever one Lincoln Riley doesn't take. So at that point, I'm just going to be like, man, this is just dumb. Michigan is who I think is going to win it. And it's nothing against Washington. Like you, I initially started picking against Washington in some especially Oregon, against Oregon. I figured Oregon would figure it out. But Penix is just that good. He just kept showing out, and he was like, oh, okay, never mind. I guess I was wrong here. Well, I think I, against Texas, I picked Washington, and I told my Texas guys that when I picked them, I was like, look, I bet against Washington all season, and, and everything that tell the way that they play, y'all secondary ain't ready for them. They got three number one wide receivers on that team. Three number yeah. ones. Yeah. Three of them. Like, how do you have three? Yeah, like, they look days. like the Dolphins right now. Yeah. Right. We talk about the Dolphins' speed and their wide receivers and how they're playing. Like, man, these wide receivers just—that's literally who they look like. They got three dudes that could be the number one wide receiver on just about any team in the country. Like, they, one of them probably could take our number one spot here. They're that good. And Penix is out there with the experience of forty years in college football. He's—he <laughs> don't even care who's rushing after him. He feels comfortable at all times. 
that was I was just like, yeah, he needs to be. He's a top three draft pick in the NFL. Like you got to give it to him because he understands pressure. That to me sold me on Penix those last three games or whatnot. The Oregon, the uh, the 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 game before Oregon. I forgot. Oh, Washington State, Washington State game, the Apple Cup, and then going against Oregon a second time. Even the first Oregon game, I was just like, yeah, Penix is legit. And then now Texas, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I was an idiot. I should have never bet against y'all this season. I'm so glad they beat Texas twice, though. Two years in a row, just <laughs> chef's kiss or whatnot. So, um, all right, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, put a bow on it, let everybody get home. Brian, thank you again. Let the people know where to find you and all your great content that you be putting out there. I'm over at uh, Heartland College Sports. Uh, you can find us uh, just heartlandcollegesports.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And then obviously ouinsider.com uh, over there uh, contributing and, and uh, going to have lots of lots of good stuff for you guys over there. Got some off-season stuff with uh, incoming uh, freshmen and transfer portal guys in the coming weeks and months. So be checking that stuff out. Uh, appreciate you having me on, Jay. It's been good. So. As usual, man, I'm going to try to bring you on as often as possible when I'm not taking away from your family. But also on top of that, check out when BC drops his videos, like looking at the players actually running through plays. No, it's gold. It's, it's best out there in the business. I appreciate that. That appreciate helps that. me with even determining if I think a dude's actually as good as uh, I would say or where where they need to line up. That helps. And so I know I've, I've heard that Ali is in town, but no one's officially said if he's um, when the official announcement, I anticipate Monday, we'll wait and see. But I did see somebody on social media point out that that Chavis had a uh, U-Haul at his house. And so people were a little worried about him leaving or whatnot. And somebody else was like, no, I think that's probably Allie moving in to stay with him probably. while he figures out where yep. he's going to live. I'm just like, oh, OK, that calms down a lot of the waters out there. But no, the alley breakdown, when he breaks it down uh, right after the hire, go check it out. You'll see how the defense is run. You'll, you, and it'll definitely make you feel like you're looking in the mirror with Brent Venable. So thank y'all for pulling up as usual. Y'all are dope. Hop in the comments. Let us know how you feel about stuff. We'll probably, you know, chat with y'all as we go through the week. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it. Let's go ahead and give us five anyway. Anyway, and then with that, we'll chop it up with all of you with, you know, I don't know, probably in like the next day or two. Peace.